This podcast is a production of Open Pediatrics, an open access online community of healthcare professionals sharing best practices from around the world. Visit openpediatrics.org for more. Hello, everybody. My name is Patricia Hickey, and I'm SVP and Associate Chief Nurse at Boston Children's Hospital. I also serve as the chairperson of the Nurse Executive Committee for Research and Inquiry. It is my great pleasure today to introduce Dr. Hyok Lee. Uh, Dr. Lee is a Korean American nurse scientist. She currently serves at the University of Massachusetts in Boston, and she has been there since 2008. Today, we are just so excited that Dr. Lee will be sharing her work in helping to close the health inequity gap so that we can achieve evidence-based nursing practice in children and families. Dr. Lee has established a long-term commitment to minority health, especially in the Asian American community. Her community-based participatory research has played a critical role in national and international recognition of health disparities. Dr. Lee is currently the principal investigator on an NIH-funded grant focusing on cervical cancer prevention among Malawian women living with HIV infection. She is also the site PI on an NIH-funded grant focusing on Asian ancestry in those cohorts to help us understand Alzheimer's disease. Welcome, Dr. Lee. I'd like to start with your uh, publication, Why Isn't Evidence-Based Practice Improving Healthcare for Minorities in the United States? You describe in that paper that evidence-based practice with racial and ethnic minorities is often seen as a possible cause of healthcare disparities. And can you explain uh, for the audience why that may be? Yes, all we know, health disparities among ethnic minority population is a serious problems. Even though EBP evidence-based practice have been implemented, the purpose of EBP is to reduce health disparities among minority or racial population by providing standardized uh, the practice of this one. That is reason that we, uh, myself and my colleagues, is wanted to identify what is issues, what is the problems. And we are able to point out to the fact that there are three potential issues of using EBP to use health disparities among ethnic or racial minorities, including they are first a lack of data for evidence-based practice with ethnic or racial minority populations. Second, there is a very limited research on the generalizability of evidence, which is based on white American middle class. Last, social cultural consideration in the context of EBP. Yes, so let's start with the lack of data for evidence-based practice, specifically in ethnic and racial 
minority populations? Well, to begin, I think it is important to first understand the trajectory of U.S. population over the six decades. As the slide shows, according to the 2019 census data, minorities now account for approximately 40% of U.S. population. The current size of minority population is almost the same as the total U.S. population in 1940. As you know, most of our textbooks were shaped in the 1950s. The nation's minority populations are rapidly increasing, and by the year 2050, ethnic minority will comprise over 50% of U.S. population. However, there is a lack of knowledge on evidence-based practice for minority populations. Most studies have focused on the white mainstream population. Therefore, knowledge development or evidence production for the rapidly growing racial ethnic minority population is not proportionate to their rapid growth. We can find these data disparities in the healthy people objectives. The healthy people objectives are used to inform health policy, funding allocations, and develop programs for health interventions. For instance, in Healthy People 2020, as in most other national health report, data on Asian American Pacific Islanders, AAPIs, is not reported. The most common notations regarding AAPIs are DNA, data have not been analyzed, DNC, data have not been collected, or DSU, data are not statistically reliable. The problems relate to data disparities are many. For instance, the lack of accurate population-based data from this ethnic group masks their health need because no data clearly attest to their unique health problems. Also, the absence of baseline data makes it almost impossible for grant funders, researchers, and practitioners to know where to target and how to reduce the health equity gaps. Interesting. The nursing profession is so fortunate to have you uh, conducting this type of research. And when we think about evidence-based practice projects, I think it's really clear that we must be cognizant of the population that the specific literature represents. Correct. Most literature has a strong basis in a mainstream white populations who are most accessible population. These participants are more likely to be younger, white males who speak or read English and have fewer complications. However, these characteristics do not represent most U.S. populations, especially racial and ethnic minorities. Evidence suggests that 
build a substantial disparities in minority participation in research that would provide evidence and data for them. The reported barriers to participation may include higher poverty, low education, low health literacy, and low English proficiency. Other factors can include uh, distrust and suspicion of researchers and healthcare professionals. Another thing to consider is that women and pediatric patients can be harmed when they are prescribed a drug that has been tested only on a male adult subjects. This concern holds true for members of minority groups. They are routinely excluded from access to the research. Thank you. These are such important points that you raise. So let's move on to the next issue. Uh, as you described, there is limited research on the generalizability of the evidence because so many of these studies are based on European, American, middle-class uh, individuals. Generalizability is the ability to transfer what is relevant across context, and it involves the ability to contextualize knowledge. Standardized guidelines developed based on data from randomized controlled trials, RCT, and systematic literature review would be relevant to guide practice for those accessible majority populations. However, as for racial and ethnic minority patients, relevance should be examined by assessing the source of data, SLS, the social context of care of the patients to improve health and health care and to reduce health disparities among racial and ethnic minority populations, we need to generate evidence it's the first priority, and then evaluate the relevancy of the evidence to other racial and ethnic minority populations, which we call contextualization or external validity, and then translate research findings into evidence-based guidelines. So we must ask ourselves these questions. Are the evidence-based treatment or evidence-based interventions based on mainstream population also effective for racial and ethnic minority populations? The answer to that question is RCT treatments and interventions are generally not externally validated in racial or ethnic minority population which means that we need to critically evaluate whether the literature or evidence is directly relevant to our clinical problems of our et ethnic racial minority patients in our local settings. What you're describing is so timely, especially given our recent observations in 2020, and 2021 about vaccine hesitancy and has, as we uh, try to better understand the causes and how we can help people uh, mitigate vaccine hesitancy. 
This is also a perfect segue into the third issue that you mentioned, and that is sociocultural considerations in the context of evidence-based practice. Yes, thank you. Well, to begin, randomized controlled trials, RCTs, and practice guidelines often overlook the important role of social cultural diversity. Therefore, implementing EBP in the social cultural context of racial or ethnic minorities is challenging. The COVID-19 pandemic highlights the long-standing health disparities among marginalized racial and ethnic minorities. The disparities of low COVID vaccination rates and high levels of vaccine hesitance are the result of long-standing inequities related to social determinant of health, including but not limited to lower access to health care, education, stable housing, healthy food, health insurance coverage, and language barriers. There is also an added layers of complexity in, this, in the mistrust of medicine and healthcare professionals rooted in an extensive history of unethical procedures and research on Black communities in the US. Even with the recent increase in COVID-19 vaccination rates across racial and ethnic groups, gaps in COVID-19 vaccination rate still continue for ethnic minority populations. And minority children's vaccination rate reflects the vaccine uptakes of minority adults. On new report from CDC on COVID-related mortality among 112 children is interesting in this regard. So these mortality rates are relatively low. The racial and ethnic disparities is very high. Although minority children, including Black, Hispanic, AAPI children represent only 41% of US population, they accounted for 78% of COVID-related mortality in this study. Compared to non-Hispanic white children, American Indian, Alaska Native children are 7.6 times more likely to die from COVID-19 and Black children are 5.3 times more likely to die. So there are many reasons why social cultural factors should be considered when implementing EVP. From a social determinant perspective, clinical care is a minor influence on health related to social, economic, and individual factors. The contemporary definition of EBP added the value of clinical expertise and patients' perspectives. EBP is the integration of best research evidence with clinical expertise and patients' value. This definition recognized that EBP goes beyond only evidence. 
One of the most important elements of EVP is that we should know whether the research result or research findings or evidence are relevant to your or our patients or your populations. Another term, whether the normal curve of evidence from the studies would validate the normal curve or evidence to your patients or our patients. As you know, biomarker majors are usually developed as non-reference majors. When you assess your patients, you will evaluate whether the assessment are in normal range. However, we as a smart nurse whose practice is based on evidence have to ask these questions. How do you know what normal heart rate is, normal blood pressure is? This normal range and reference value have been decided based on taking the heart rate, blood pressure from a large group of people in the population, and then calculating a mean value. So now we know what question we should ask in order to find appropriateness of the normal value or reference score to our patients or our research subject which we call external validity. Your question kind of would be, what are the demographic characteristics of these study populations? Are these characteristics of this group similar to my patients or our patients? For example, my blood pressure is around 106 over 68 millimercury. And my hemoglobin is always kind of below 11. I have experiences that whenever I was examined in the clinic since I moved to the United States, I was always diagnosed with anemia and low blood pressure, but I was in the normal range in Korea. So EVP requires our clinician's ability to not only evaluate research study findings, but also appropriately apply those findings those evidence in the context or in your situation or your local setting where you work with a specific patient. Through everyday practice, we clinicians generate knowledge through constantly engaging with the patients in our social cultural context by clinical reasoning and reflections. When we clinicians located the best evidence for our clinical decisions, we do not mechanically carry out the intervention without considering the context of specific patients, our patients. So in closing, what are a couple of recommendations that you can share with us so that we can move forward to improve evidence-based practice as it relates to health equity? Yes, sure. In the context of a history of distrust and oppression, developing trusted and reciprocal relationships between researchers and prospective participants is an important first step. It will also be important to ensure racial or ethnic minority groups are included in the study. Second, until EBP can be validated on minority populations or developed specifically for minority populations, the relevancy of EBPs 
need to be closely examined. Interpret with caution and conclusions should be not be prematurely drawn. Perhaps practice tools should alert providers to the limitations of the research used in the development of practice tools, clinical pathways, best practice guidelines, and care maps. Last, to succeed in implementing EBP regarding health disparities, we clinicians must assess the data source and its relevancy to our local patients. Studies indicate assumption on the part of professional can influence health promotion and effectiveness of therapeutic interventions. Therefore, it is very important that we clinicians assess our own stereotypes of ethnic groups for factors influencing health disparities and to developing better understanding of patients' cultural health practices. Thank you, Dr. Lee. As a Korean American nurse scientist, you have such a unique lens. We so appreciate how you have actually applied your own personal and professional lived experiences to inform your research. Thank you for sharing with us today critical information as we move forward to advance health equity and reduce healthcare disparities. And thank you for sharing with our open pediatrics community. Thank you. This has been a production of Open Pediatrics. You can find the resources and journal articles referenced in this podcast in the description. We have more podcasts like this one available everywhere you get your podcasts. Visit openpediatrics.org for more information. Thank you.